0: what's in the best interest of the shared goal of the team. Because if I make a choice that is what's in an individual's best interest at the expense of the team's interest, now I'm kind of snubbing the team also, which I see plenty of places do um, out of you know kindness and grace.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the second season of the Faith at Work podcast, where we get the joy of bringing you conversations that discuss how our faith informs our everyday work. I'm your host, Jen Kelly, joined by my friend and fellow pastor, Daniel Small. This season, we're gonna be sitting down with a variety of experts, thought leaders, and working professionals to talk about how to navigate difficult, everyday situations at work and how our faith should inform our response. You guys, all of this is to help stir imagination imaginations to give us new insights and practical ways to be people who work with wisdom.
2: Yeah, today we're sitting down with two organizational leaders, Thomas Kim and Katie Height, to unpack the challenges behind hiring and firing in the workplace. Thomas Kim is an entrepreneur and investor with a focus on real estate and small businesses with high growth strategies. He's also the founder and CEO of a local car wash, Everclean, which has a social mission to enrich lives through opportunity and holistic mentorship. He and his wife, Evelyn, currently live in the Chicago suburbs nearby. And Katie Height is our very own Senior Director of Human Resources at Christ Community Church and has been on our staff for 15 years. Before coming to her current role, Katie worked for the YMCA across several major cities in a variety of roles for 20 years. She has a master's degree in nonprofit management and counseling from Springfield College and she's a certified senior professional with the Society for Human Resource Management. Katie grew up in Naperville, Illinois, and is currently and currently lives in Campton Hills with her husband and two dogs that she dearly, dearly loves. Thanks oh. for tuning in today.
1: Thomas and Katie, we're so excited that you guys are here. That's great to be here.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. So, first of all, I, I know Jen and I are, are really excited about this conversation for a couple of reasons, right? The first uh, is that both of you are coming from very different contexts. Katie, for you, working at a church now for a little while, I've had some experience in HR. And then Thomas, for you, leading a local car wash. Um, obviously, a, a very different context, um, but I'm going to be, uh, I think that's going to be really great to have both of your perspectives um, on that. And you're also working with very different uh, workers and applicants, right? So, it'll be great to have sort of those two different. Different two different sides of things. Um, and Thomas, it's also great to meet you here for the first time. Um, I will say, I don't know if I told you this, but my wife and I are big fans of Everclean. Um, about a year ago, I had this idea. I was that I was going to get her a membership to a car wash because she loves car washes. <laughs> she's like a little kid. Funny, I no joke. Did. She just she's like a little kid when it comes I, to <laughs> it comes to car washes.
0: <laughs> I, I did not know that. You, you 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 know it. I've been surprised at how many people have said that uh, not just you know my kids love it but I love car washes and when I go and I come out I feel great And well so, um, but and, thank you thanks and that's awesome to, to know
2: totally and well now I've become a fan of car washes so before I before I did, you know I was like oh, it's a car wash right but now I feel like I'm a big fan so all that to say is uh, we're big fans of Everclean so maybe if you could just tell us a little bit more about what Everclean is up to um, and how you ended up uh, starting that organization
0: yeah, the, the short version is uh, out of school. Um, I was an engineer and I worked in uh, on manufacturing strategy in like factories, uh, first for Caterpillar and then uh, some privately held companies. Um, at the same time, I was a youth pastor in uh, a youth group in, in Wheeling, Illinois, and um, developed a, a love for just working with young people. Um, at that time, I took in three uh, kids who were in the youth group as my foster kids, and um, raised them through their cool. teenage years, um, and then I went into um, post uh, 08 uh, credit crisis. I went into real estate development, and um, you know I found myself uh, several years down from that, looking at what's what's the next opportunity I wanted to pursue, and um, uh, among the deals that came across my desk, car washes were one of them, but when I got into it. One day I realized car washing is manufacturing, real estate development, and youth ministry. All uh, three one. very disparate parts of my career that uh, I realized have come together uh, at, at this season in my life.
1: Wow, that's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's cool, cool how God intersects our experience and yeah, all that things. So
0: it's great. it's great. Yeah, It didn't feel very clear in, in those seasons of my life, I'll tell you that. I'm I have sure. no idea what they had to do with each <laughs> other. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for sharing. And Katie, for you, um, you've been on staff uh, here for, uh, what, 15 years now? Yeah, just Um, 15. Uh Awesome. Okay, great. So maybe just tell for our listeners who don't know your story just a little bit more about your journey.
3: Yeah, so my uh, journey actually started at the YMCA, uh, which is where I started working. Uh, I was a YMCA kid, grew up swimming in the pool and learning all sorts of life skills. Um, My mom also worked for the Y. Uh, She tells the story that I got her her first job uh, at the Y when I was 13. And I found the ad in the paper and I said, this would be so cool, mom, you can work at the Y. (laughs) <laughs> um, so maybe I was doing HR, even at 13 years old, trying to recruit people for I can a see job. That. <laughs> I Love could that. totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up at the Y. and didn't think I was going to end up working there, but I did, uh, started, I think I started there when I was 16 and, uh, membership director. Uh, I, I actually met Jesus at a YMCA camp when I was doing an internship there. So, awesome. you know, he's part of the, my YMCA story and I had like you said, worked in several different cities, moved around a lot. Um, and finally, I kind of came to a place where I was looking for something. I thought I would stay with the Y. And I was attending Christ Community Church at that time. And I saw in the weekly welcome uh, pr- uh, ad or, you know, message for they were looking for an executive assistant for student ministries. And I read the job description, I thought I could do this. And so I applied. I'd never been an executive admin before. I'd been a membership director, youth programming director, um, associate, senior director at the YMCA. Uh, But I thought I could do this. And I applied. And I got hired. And so I worked student ministries here, executive admin for five years, and then was recruited to work on the executive team here. So I worked with Eric Rogis for a number of years and then two years ago was promoted to
1: senior director of HR.
2: Cool. Love that.
1: Yes. Love it so much. We're so glad that you are here and trying for a little bit to get Katie on. (laughs) All right, so we chose this topic of hiring and firing mainly because it's something that you both as organizational leaders are constantly dealing with. And to say that it can have such a significant impact on an organization is an understatement, right? Business performance, organizational culture, et cetera. So what are some of the key factors that you're thinking about when it comes to hiring someone At your organization in particular, what qualities are you looking for regardless of the position and why?
3: So I think uh, one of the things we really take into consideration when hiring here uh, at the church is Jesus loves his church. And so we take the job very seriously of of hiring people. So one of the things if you're looking for qualities, uh, joy, integrity. Mm -hmm and passion, passion for God's people, passion for God's church. That's that's really what we're looking for regardless of what role you're gonna be in.
2: I love that. Thomas, what about you?
0: Um, I think values alignment is one of them, but um, what we do at the start of our interviews, and this is whether we're hiring a a tunnel crew member um, who's gonna be loading cars or whether we're hiring at the executive level, we'll take them to our list of core values. We have a lot, we have nine of them. and we'll just take them to the list and ask them, can you read it over? And you have a moment of silence where they're just reading it over. And we just ask, what what stands out to you? And uh, tell us why. And um, I don't really care what core value they choose. What I'm really looking for is the spark in their eye mm-hmm. when they talk about one of them. I'm looking for something to come alive and kind of get out of this stiff interview mode to, I really care about this. And uh, you know, I have a story to share. So on that, values alignment is one of them, but the other is um, someone who solves problems and can talk about it, Um, and I want to dive into some specific thing that they did, and I don't care if it was at their family barbecue or at a job, and I want to hear how they thought through and how they approached a a problem they solved um, in specific detail, and you can usually tell, like, were they really the guy or were they kind of jumping on the bandwagon with somebody else? Mm -hmm. And um in that, you kind of find a problem solve sense of problem solving and leadership. Um, and that's something that's just important to us, no matter where you are.
1: That's good. That's, that's really good. I like how you have them sit down and review the core values. And then even thinking through problem solving in a different way, especially when you think about an interview, because it can be like a stiff process, right? And just the three, Katie, from your perspective, joy, integrity, and passion. I love that, how we're automatically looking for those mm-hmm. characteristics in people right off the bat.
2: Yeah. And I think, Thomas, you're looking for passion in those values, right? You had those those nine different values right. that you mm-hmm. have. And like, so I, I love even that overlap there. It's like, that's one thing that you really want to see, that that sort of spark that you mentioned is, is really critical. Yeah, so okay, uh two three qualities. So I want to talk a little bit about um some tensions that you might experience um when you're hiring, which there's none of those, right? Like you don't expect yeah, right. Um so there there's probably actually too many of them uh when when it comes to hiring. So um maybe so I'll I'll give an example of a tension that I experienced um when I actually uh before this role, I was um on a team that was hiring somebody and there was uh, two different candidates that we had, right? And one of them um, was almost overly qualified for the role. Um, but when it, it comes to some of those qualities that you mentioned, they might have been lacking a little bit and they didn't seem to really exhibit some of those qualities um, that we were really looking for um, when it comes to being a team player and some of those key values, right? Um, but then on the other side, we had somebody that was probably underqualified for the role. They didn't really have uh, maybe the uh, the right experiences or things that we were hoping for, but they also really matched um, in, in terms of some of the values that we were looking for and hoping for. So that's just a very simple example of attention. But And there's only one role, right? We can't hire them both. So there's only one role and we have to choose one of them, right? Uh, that's just a very simple example of attention. But um, maybe if one of you could describe, uh, Thomas, if you want to, just describe attention that you experience when you're hiring. And um, yeah, one of, those, one of those things, if you could unpack it a little bit further, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll share a specific situation. One of the roles that I, I was trying to fill. It was a head of real estate. And this is a guy going out and looking at all the dirt that we're going to build on someday. And it takes a tremendous amount of experience and skill. Um, and and the, it, it involves everything from wearing a technical hat, to talking to civil engineers, to being able to stand in front of a city council and and be under fire and pressure from angry neighbors who don't want a car wash next door. Mm. Right, So you're talking a really broad skill set, um And, as we 're trying to fill this role, uh, we came across someone who um, had all of the real estate knowledge. But when we spoke about core values, um there was really nothing there. Hmm. I, I shared the vision of our organization, no follow up questions he had no wow that's really interesting you mean and you and he did not care to know anymore, and in all of our meetings, he never really asked about uh, the people and, uh, what we really care about most. And, you know, I've been looking for someone who just had the technical skills for this role for over a year. And so I'm just salivating when I saw that he had this, right. And I need somebody to be in this role. Um, what we ended up doing, uh, was we said, all right, we, we can't, we don't want someone at this caliber to occupy such an important seat. Uh, within our organization so we made him an outside contractor and um, we had him help us and we realized you know we have other outside contractors who don't necessarily share all of our values um, somewhat aligned and uh, in the long run it didn't end up working out Um, and i i'm i'm really glad that uh, we set it up that way versus it would have been way more turbulent if he was within the organization and so that's one situation where we made a mistake, but we kind of hedged the mistake yeah. by, mm-hmm. um, you know, setting that up right, I think, up front.
2: Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah, Katie, I can imagine that you have a lot of tensions points with hiring and the church. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's an old HR saying, uh,
3: which is a hire for attitude, train for skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but the problem is we want both. I mean, really, we want both um, in every role that we're looking for, but I can teach you how to use Excel or a database, but I can't always teach you how to be joyful, Mm -hmm. right? I can't teach you integrity. Um, I can model those things for you. But if you don't have them, I can't um, make you have them. So it's it's hard. And here at the church, you know, when we're hiring for people, we we take it very seriously. We're very selective. Um, and so when we have an opening, we may only have a few candidates and we may be put in the hard position of having to say no um, to all of them and wait, you know, and just wait for God to bring us the person that has both the right attitude and hopefully a level of skill that, um, you know, we can work with and we can develop here at the church. So, so that is attention, but it's a kind of attention in all HR jobs. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was describing it perfectly. You know, you want that whole attitude, right? You want to look for that in somebody and you can kind of train people to do things, but if they don't have that underlying or that underpinning of character, that it becomes really hard. Yeah. So I can learn Excel. <laughs> I can, uh I can teach you.
1: I have joy, maybe Excel is difficult all right all right, so to go a little bit deeper because one of the things I love about this faith at work podcast right is we think about these things which we might not actually like line up into biblical wisdom. And hiring actually is key for biblical wisdom. So how has your faith informed the design of the hiring process in particular? Was there ever a point in which you noticed something maybe broken about the way your organization, either past or present, was hiring people? And how did you respond in that situation of like maybe redeeming that part of that system? So I look at hiring as a discipleship process, just like everything else we do here
3: at Christ Community. So when we're starting with somebody, you know, we're asking them questions about their faith. Um, We can do that because we're a church, we're an organization like that. Um, So I really, it's more than about a job here. It's really about connecting with someone in their walk with Jesus and seeing if they're going to be a good fit um, in our organization. So it's all the things you think about when you think about discipleship. Now, I would say, I think our process is great here at Christ Community Church. Uh, it is long and it is thorough. Uh, but we don't, we're not just looking for people to fill openings. Like we're looking for the right people at the right time to serve God's people. And that is a hard thing to do. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, even having recently gone through the hiring process, like I, I can actually, like, I feel like I'm a, and Jen too, like I'm a testament of just that experience. And I, one of the really cool things I think coming out of it was just like, Uh, the way that, you know, seeing it as a discipleship process or as a discipleship tool even, it's just, it's really trying, I remember just a lot of questions of like, we want to get to know who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, kind of going back to some of those really Core values, unearthing some of those really important things, and then having conversations with, like you said, it's a lengthy process. But by the time I was through with it, like I felt very comfortable because I had met so many different people at our church at that point, right. and so that was that was a really cool. Really
3: yeah, cool we part also of it. look at it as you're interviewing us as much as we're interviewing right, you, right? Uh, because we want to make sure. You know, this is
1: gonna be a relationship. I'd say that that will preach right there. And I think more people who are looking at working anywhere, not just yeah. for a church, this is not just about an organization checking you out. You better come to the table yeah. and know what questions to ask or vice versa. Because there's a lot of brokenness right there in that mm-hmm. kind of system too.
2: Right. And well and Thomas, when you had that person that didn't ask any questions. Right, that was a that was a, a concern, right? Because uh, if you have somebody that's not asking questions, right, it's indicating that they're not uh, that not you know not that engaged or really yeah. interested. So you can you can learn a lot there. Um, but Thomas, for you, that's how right. about is there anything in the hiring process um, that you feel like was was broken or something that you were able to um, to to fix, so to speak?
0: Yeah, lo- lots of broken things for us, um, and I, I think ear- earlier on when we we're smaller. Um, the, the, the needs were, were uh, a lot more urgent because there's so few people to, to carry the load. So I think the mistake that I, um, often made was, Hey, you're, you're willing to work. We have an opening better than nothing. Why don't you come on board? Hmm. And I made that mistake so many times, um, or early on. And, you know, the, the old, old adage of, you know, to, to, uh, fire fast, hire slow. Hmm. Right. And, um, that that i've i've learned um, and where that ties into my my faith is uh, um it it takes a lot of patience and trust um and wh- when we're when we're interviewing folks and um uh, a good chunk of the time uh, especially at you know some of the higher executive levels just because of my my network and the circles i'm in uh, um people do tend to be believers and so you know i i tell the guys um as much as I want you here, the worst thing in the world is that the Lord wants you somewhere else, and you end up here. Hmm. That's terrible for us, right? And that's terrible for you. Hmm. And uh, so let's let's together really think through and prayerfully consider: is is this where the Lord wants you? Because if it is, that's the best combination. Um, and so that that's where for us it's taken a lot more patience and trust, and saying, all right, if it's not this person, there is someone. Um, someone that's out there, and uh, and and we we have to be okay with the waiting, even though it doesn't match our timeline. Wow! And uh, that 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 makes us reach mm-hmm. down real deep into all right. How much do we really believe who we think is ultimately leading our business?
2: Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that right there that requires a lot a lot of trust. I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of letting go because. Uh, like you said so so much so the instinct is to just immediately like you know you have you have this person you want to get them on board, but even just to pause and say is is this is this where God wants you right and those things need to really align that requires a lot of a lot of trust. I love that um great, so I wanna flip now to the the other side of this firing yeah um <laughs> Jen is way too excited about this, um right. Yeah, as a leader, uh what are some of the outcomes that you're hoping for when you have to fire or let somebody go? Uh Katie you said separate. So what what are you really hoping for in that process, right? It's not something that's pleasant uh so to speak to go through, but at the end of the day what what are you hoping for um with the outcome of that?
0: Yeah. Um so I, in an, in an ideal firing, which those two weird the words sound so weird together, but I think in an ideal firing, um there're no surprises. And uh, the, the, the person already knows um, that, and they're not, they, they, they understand not only why, but that this is kind of the time. I think if, if the process, you know, one of the things, uh, unless there's some kind of impropriety, um, one of the things I tell guys is if someone is surprised when you fire them, that's your fault. Um, if you're having to tell them for the first time what it is that they've been doing all along, then that's a, that's a coaching miss um, that you haven't brought them to this, you know, to this point. And so um, for us in an, in ideal firing, there's been a process we follow. Um, we call it the three T's um, when there is underperformance or a miss um, you tell, maybe they just didn't know that was their job. Um, and they're like, okay, now I know what to do. Uh, usually that's not the case. After you tell them, then the second is to train. It's just a training issue. We told you it was, but maybe you don't know how to do it. We thought you knew, but you're here now and you don't know. So we need to train you. And after training, if it's still not being done, then we terminate. And we're clear where we are in the process with people. And so, you know, they're getting their first T. They're getting their second T. And so if you've gotten two T's and you're getting talked to again, you probably know what, what's, what's coming. And so for us, at least that that pulls out the surprise part of it. Um, uh, so that's, that's the process we use.
1: That's good. I love that. Clear, no surprises. You know exactly where you're at. We've talked to you before about this. How helpful for you guys as an organizational organization and how helpful for the employee that's maybe struggling. So, yeah, I love that. And I couldn't agree more. Like it should never any kind of corrective
3: discipline at work should never be a surprise. You know, if it is, that's a mistake on the supervisor's part. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, And there are a lot of reasons people can be released uh from an organization. Um I mean, it's not just performance, it's it's not just impropriety. It could be, you know, reduction in force. There could be layoffs. There's lots of different scenarios that you find yourself in, you know, as an HR person and trying to navigate that and understanding that this that God loves this person in front of you more than you do. Mm-hmm. Um and God wants that's best for them. And it may not be with your organization. So I go back to the discipleship thing and say I want to see growth for that person. I want to see, I want to shepherd them through that process as best as I possibly can. Losing your job is one of the top five most stressful things uh, that Mm -hmm. you can go through on, you know, the the stressor scale. So knowing that that person in front of you is in crisis, um, and how do you shepherd them? How do you Talk them through it and care for them, especially when this is their church home now. Right. We've asked them to to go to church here. We've asked them to to be part of this organization. So if we end up at that place, you know, we have to we have to make sure we're caring for Mm them. and, and trying to disciple them. And what I want to see in the end for that person is I want to see what, what God has for them, what God's best is for them. Mm. Um, and, you know, when I was at the Y and we had to let someone go for, uh, you know, a basically, uh, harassment, you know, that was a really hard situation too, because this, I had known this person for years. Uh, they had taught my kids in classes. And so you, the hard part about letting people go is they've become part of your family. Right. Right. And so it's hard not only on the person but it's it's a you know stressor for us as well mm-hmm. you know it's never easy it's never something it's never a situation you want to find yourself in
1: this leads perfectly to the next question actually like you set us up so good so throughout the gospels jesus offers us this beautiful way of living right to radically love and serve others to go the extra mile but without being a doormat for other people to take advantage of when you think about the idea in the context of firing someone or separating or letting them go, how do you both determine when it's appropriate to fire someone for something they did wrong, like violating workplace policy or whatever it might be, versus deciding to extend grace to that person? In other words, who would Jesus fire? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes, I mean, for me, uh, it
3: goes back to, let's go back to those values, right? Right are they being humble? Are they, are they accepting responsibility in the coaching process as is, is you're going through the, the T's, you know, that they have or our progressive discipline, are they re- responsive, you know, to that? And I think, I think that kind of determines the tone um, for the rest of, you know, their, their tenure with you.
0: Yeah. Mm. yeah, And, um, and I, and I just love Kitty, as you're talking about, you know, the, the fire, one thing we, we talk about is like when you're disciplining somebody, um, if, if you are, um, happy as you're disciplining someone, it's a problem. Uh, can you do it with a tear in your eye? It Mm. makes, makes all the difference in the world. right? like, I have to do this. I don't want to, you know, and and I hate that we're, we're here and all, and people can tell that when they can sense you're struggling, um, and to, to do this, uh, they, they can tell, um, that, that being said, um, we, we made a shift a couple years ago because uh, a lot of the people who've worked here in the, in the companies, either they become my friends, as Katie, as you know you were sharing at the Y, or they were my friends even before coming. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the things that we found helpful, it's a distinction actually that uh, Reed Hastings makes in, in the book, No Rules Rules, which is a book on the Netflix, HR Strategy. And um, we've found it less helpful to talk about the workplace as a family, which is, uh, uh, tends to be about unconditional love. And we found it more helpful to talk about the workplace as a team, which is about individual contributions towards a shared goal. And, you know, unconditional love does not have a start or a stop to it. That's, that's family. Uh, team, there's a start and a stop, right? When, when your contributions individually are no longer what's best for the team. Uh, then, you know, we, we got to make decisions as teams. And so, you know, for us, um, and I openly spoke about that and that was very clarifying for a lot of folks, um, to say, you know what, that's right. Like we're, we're trying, we're trying to get somewhere and I have an individual part in that. And, and so, um, for, for us, how we make those decisions is, um, what's, what's in the best interest of the shared goal of the team? 'Cause if I make a choice that is what's in an individual's best interest at the expense of the team's interest, now I'm kind of snubbing the team also, which I see plenty of places do, mm-hmm. um, out of, you know, kindness and grace. And so um um and, and in fact I, I actually think that's a fallacy. I think a lot of times what's in the best interest of the team, um, it tends to be also what's best for that person. Maybe the Katie, as you talked about like the discipleship process of recognizing something or learning something or realizing coming to some realization that they need to as hard as it is. But you know, we 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 try to elevate, okay, what's best for the team and um and and bring that to the surface of, of what it is we're trying to do.
2: Yeah, I think that framework is actually that sort of framing is really helpful to have that distinction between those two things and um, you know, a lot of people probably intuitively think that, you know, family is the right way to think about it. You know, you're showing up, you're seeing everybody every day, you're building relationships, right. But to recognize, hey, we actually have a shared common goal. And if, if uh, you know, one of us isn't, you know, contributing to that, or even taking away from that, right, that's taking away from uh, our team as a whole. And it's, you know, really impacting everybody here. So, um, and even Katie, I love what you were saying earlier about um I mean, kind of like, a, a firing as like a sort of like a discipleship process in the sense of it can be an act of love to somebody, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it can be an act of love to somebody. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love that. So, um, now I, I imagine that there are probably a handful of people listening that have been fired or were recently let go or have actually gone through this process themselves. Um, and they're probably still dealing with the reality of that loss, um, and some of those people may have um you know been in the job search process even for a long time which can be just really dragging and you mentioned it's one of the stressors when you lose your job um and it's probably exhausting and it's wearing on them. So as a leader, how would you encourage those individuals and how does the truth of the gospel speak to their um particular situation?
0: Yeah yeah, I think um it is key you mentioned earlier uh, losing a job just being one of the most stressful um uh life experiences. Um I, I think there's a a real um practical part of losing a job which is I, I just have to pay bills and um you know support myself and my family and um um and and in, in in um and practically uh dealing with and getting through that process. And I um and that and that is that's really uh that's a really hard position to to be in and one of the things I have been there, even though I haven't been fired, I've been in between jobs uh, where where I've um, been in that spot. And you know, one one of the things I would I would uh, in, encourage is, um, uh, and and a mistake that I think um, um, uh, is is all too easy to make is to to do something um, and to set set a deadline and a goal for yourself around. Hey, I'm going to give myself x amount of time to find the dream job um but if i don't i'm gonna go work somewhere um and find something because uh there, we we are in this we, we are in this um place where there there are jobs available and even when and it's it's funny i i, I occasion will meet with somebody who um, is looking for employment and i'll offer them a job on the spot at our company and uh, they, they may not want to take it um and so i'd say you know setting setting some kind of a, a a deadline to then go and be be productive and um do something gain some skills and experiences while you continue to look for what it is that you that you want to do and um and i think aside from the practical uh um uh, challenges there's um there's a real um challenge of identity i think that uh, that when when you're in between jobs looking uh, that you, you're not so sure you're not so comfortable in your own skin and not so sure who, who uh, sometimes who who am I right when I'm when I don't have the job that I um, that I thought I have. A, I still the person I thought I was. And and boy, there's a there's a whole lot of, um, I think, uh, gospel work that can be done in that seasons, that is almost impossible to do the sa- at the same depth in other seasons mm-hmm. because you're not in that same crisis and it's not exposing as much. And I think inviting and allowing that to happen um, uh, in those seasons has been some of the, the, the greatest uh, times of growth in my life.
1: Yeah, it's so good, Thomas, because you're speaking to the fact of Christ being formed in us, right? Like God's not so much... He cares about our dream job and he cares about our desires and all that kind of stuff. But Scripture's really clear about his wanting to form us into the image of his son. And a lot of times it looks like servant leadership. A lot of times it looks like faithfulness. A lot of times that looks like a lot of different things, even when you don't like waiting, which we've talked mm-hmm. about. Right. So I just love how you you put words around that, especially for our listeners right now. Who are maybe despairing, who are, as Daniel said, like looking for another job and they, they've lost this notion of who they are in Jesus. Like that, that, mm-hmm. that doesn't change who they are in Christ at all. They are a son and a daughter to the King of Kings. So I, I, thank you for sharing that.
3: Yeah, that was really good. I echo you know, all of those things. I think if I were to add anything, um, it would be allow yourself, a, a job loss is a loss right? So Mm. what do we do? We have to grieve those losses. We have to go through the stages sometimes of what that means. Um, And, you know, it's really easy for people to go, God's got a plan for you. Jesus has a Mm. plan for you, right? That's kind of what we do. Keep praying, keep working, and do all those things. Because I still, I do believe, you know, God has a plan and a purpose in everybody's life, no matter where they are. It just may not look the way you thought it was going to look. And so even grieving that perceived purpose, career path and really digging down deep, doing some work, you know, to try and figure out what happened. Why am I in this situation? What, what does God, what is God trying to teach me right now? Mm -hmm. You know, and just being humble in spirit and asking for help too, I think is a hard thing uh, for a lot of people. And so I think it's important to reach out to the resources around you and ask for help, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, find out what's available for you if you find yourself in that situation and know that you're not alone. You know, there are especially if you're here at the church, there are people and ways we can help. Um, So I just want to make sure people know they're not alone. And if this is your faith family, you know, we want to come alongside and help you.
1: So good and
2: so good i love I love the portion that you mentioned where reflect on what Jesus is teaching you during this season because it 's in those moments in those really low moments that God can really form you into the person that he 's becoming or in the person that you 're becoming. All right. So, Katie, Thomas, tell us where our listeners can find you, Katie, if you just want to go first.
3: Uh, well, I'm here at the church. So, you can find me on the church <laughs> staff webpage. Or, you know, I do have an Instagram. I don't check it a whole lot. Uh, it's at Katie G Height. At, uh, that's my Instagram. Is yeah. That yeah. How you yeah. Say it? I don't know. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. if you're interested in a job, we got to. Yeah. Look at our staff uh, job page. Yeah. Employment. Yeah. yeah. I'd, lo- I'd right. love to talk to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thomas.
0: Uh, yeah, you can find us um, on our website, evercleancw.com. Um, and I'll also make the same plug as, as Katie. If you're um, looking, we're always hiring and we're opening three new locations um, uh, over the next few months. Um, and we're 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 hiring future leaders, future managers. Uh, we also you can find us on LinkedIn. um Uh, or or, uh, Instagram, Facebook at, you know, the the domain slash EvercleanCW.
1: Wow. All right, guys, you heard it. If you're looking for a job, these two have lots of them for you. They'd love to connect with you. Thomas and Katie it was an honor and privilege to have you both on today. All right, friends, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. Our conversations happen every other week, so in two weeks, you can expect another interview to help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways so that we can be people who demonstrate wisdom in the workplace. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Email us your suggestions, questions, or ideas to workpodcast at ccclife.org. Lastly, tell your friends that the way they work matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you guys soon.